Well, ho, ho, ho. You know what that sound is? That means it's Christmas time around the mostly ghostly. You know what I mean? Me and Ray are very proud and very happy to be in your ears on this such occasion. 2021 Christmas barreling down on us. Um, three days away, I think. Maybe even less by this point. Um, coming to you from the North Pole, all right? A very unexplainable place, a lot of weird stuff going on. There's creatures like elf-like creatures that build gifts, you know what I mean? There's a jolly, uh, jolly big shadow man that runs around your house while you sleep, you know what I mean? Except he's not a shadow, he's a red glow, which is even more scarier, some people would say. I might be one of those people that would say something like that, but um, not today. Today we are mashing up, you know, the ghosts and the Christmas. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what are we talking about here? Christmas Carol, the Scrooge story here. You got the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Yeah, you guys know all about them. You know what I mean? But we thought it would be kind of cool to dive into some ghostly stories about Christmas that you might not be hip to. You know what I mean? Something that might uh, might tickle your fancy, you know? So I think with that, without further ado, pour yourself a nice eggnog, start up the fire, kick off your slippers, put your feet up on that ottoman. Let them roast, let them cook to the ultimate warmth in front of that fireplace. You know, the warmth overtakes you and not enough to fall asleep because we don't want to scare you in your mental around Christmas, but just enough to cozy in and get you ready for a good old mostly ghostly story time. What do you think, Ray? I think some people might be surprised about the ghost, uh, regarding the ghost on Christmas. There's a lot of them out there. You know, ghost, you know, so ghost, uh, you know, Christmas, a very emotional time, uh, as well as it's, a, it's known to be very a happy, uh, joyful time of the year. Unfortunately, it's also known to be a very sad and depressing time of year. Um, so equally as bad things happen on Christmas as good things. Um, so I think it definitely leaves it open. It's one of those days. It's all, it's a ritual. It's ritualistic. You know what I mean? The way it goes down. Um, it's just one of those things that day could carry. There could be a little, be something with that, you know, it's the birth of Jesus as well. Also that got that big thing. And I think it's just a very, uh, special day. And I'm curious as we dive into some of these stories, how much, it plays a part into it. If it's just stories that happened on Christmas day or around, you know, Christmas Eve leading up to maybe days after or something. Cause I'd almost be willing to say that it's possible that the day of December the 25th could carry something with it. What do you think of that? What's your thoughts on that? And I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad or a good thing. Well, I know a lot of the stories come from this time of year. And today is the uh, winter solstice. Yeah. It comes from the, the older cultures at the time. This is the dark time of the year. So you're going to have ghost stories coming out of that dark time. 
and you're going to tell out of the darkness. Now, the flip side of it, there are other stories most people don't know. Uh, one my mother told me about. She was from Italy, and uh, it was called La Befana. Mm. And what it is, it's a story. There was this old witch, and the magi, magi were asking for gifts to bring to the baby Jesus. But she was too busy, and she said, no, no, no. And then later on, after they left, she realized she made a mistake. Mm. So she gathered up the gifts. She got on her broom, and she tried to, tried to find the Magi, and she couldn't. And she felt very bad. So every day on the Epiphany, six days after Christmas, every day she grabs her broom uh, on that day, she gathers up all the gifts. She flies around giving them to the children because she was unable to give them to the baby Jesus. Hmm. So this is a witch on a broom doing a good thing for the kids. Yeah. So it's a kind of a unique story. And it I think we'll run across a, a few more unique ones tonight. That is very unique. Usually you always hear bad Bad stories about witches, as you know, and especially it's it's almost like it almost makes you think maybe a bad picture has been painted or something because it's got the it's got the broom, you know, it's got the visiting children at night type deal. Everything lines up with what we're used to, except for the fact that it's doing good. And you know, we got Glenda the Good Witch from Wizard of Oz, which is the only one I could the good witch I can really ever think of prominently. You know what I mean in the public eye. Um, was Mary Poppins some sort of a witch? I don't know. Some of the stuff she pulled, I'd say maybe. That's my take on it. It was like, I always kind of see, felt she was a little witchy. But what can you do? You know what I mean? What I, can you do? It's Christmas. I think, yeah. I think her magic words and her spell was supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and that opened the door to the other side, the magic. I believe you. Maybe that was the name of the demon. That she uh, she was in, in cahoots with. So, you know, we got we got seven good tales to pop into, and we're going to discuss and get the folklore on and uh, jive with it on a on a holiday season. All right. And uh, first up, we have the haunted Christmas feast at Alcatraz. You know, the prison. Uh, they said nobody could escape. Alcatraz. A few people did. Uh, a few people even made it to land. Uh, from those few that escaped, few of that, few of those even got to live and not drowned in the water. You know what I mean? Merry Christmas to them. Um, but the island of Alcatraz, off the coast of San Francisco, has a long and spooky history. Can't think of all the vibes that are in that place. All we've talked about that before. Prisons got to be the most craziest places for bad vibes. In its early days, Native Americans allegedly used uh, banish miscreants to the island as punishment. So even the Native Americans sent their, their uh, undesirables there, where they were reportedly plagued by the local spirits. You know, they say if somebody goes crazy or has bad attitude, very violent, they say that they're kind of plagued by an evil spirit, which is right up in line with Alcatraz. Of course, Alcatraz became a notorious federal prison in 1934, housing criminals such as Al Capone. 
uh, before it was shut down in 1963. Today, visitors to the island report hearing screams, the clanging of metal doors, the sound of voices within the halls. Uh, one of the more famous tales associated with the island supposedly occurred in the 1940s when Warden James Johnson held a Christmas Day party at his residence for the staff at the prison. The good cheer is said to have been brought uh, to a swift halt when an apparition sporting mutton chop whiskers in a gray suit appeared. The temperature in the room plummeted and the fire blew out before returning to normal when the spirit disappeared about a minute later, the rattled guards were too scared to stay in the residence and the rest of the Christmas celebration ended abruptly. I like how it was detailed. You know what I mean? Now, was it, at, it was held at the, at the prison, right? He held this party at the prison. Yes. Now that, that sounds to me like there was a, uh, prisoner that was stuck there that was like not digging the fact that they were celebrating good things in such a bad place is that the kind of vibe you catch with that or you catching a little more well i catch the same thing and also the people that were celebrating they weren't prisoners so you know if you got this spirit that used to be an inmate and you had these guards and the warden celebrating well he didn't like them to begin with so it's kind of like i'm gonna mess up their christmas Quite possibly the guards that killed you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> realistically, uh, very realistically, quite possibly the guards that may have killed you. Yeah, nobody likes to see that. I know I would, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, such a, you know, you can almost understand the logistics of it. It's a big open space. You can get a lot of people in there. You know, if you, you close it off. If I worked in a prison, I wouldn't want to spend my off time there as well, no matter what. Um, for many reasons, it's gloomy. Why be there? Dangerous. You know, these guards are all, they probably don't, I'm sure some probably have weapons on them, but they're probably all dressed down. You know, I wouldn't want any of my real life to go in there. Anything they could kind of know and come back to get you later in life. Let alone the fact if there's a, a like a jailbreak, you know what I mean. While you're in there, like uh, natural born killer style, they're just going to cut your head off. You know what I mean. The only thing at that point, the only thing separating them from their freedom is your head on a pike. You know what I mean. And they'll easily hook you up with that. I hear that uh, whether it's Christmas or not, they'll do you that favor in that situation. So, but yeah, I definitely vibe with the fact that Alcatraz got some people there that are unhappy people. Um, and that something like that would definitely boil their, 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 their already dried out blood. You know what I mean? Like they're, that's not a good look. It's just asking for trouble. The same thing. Like when people go to the Lizzie Borden house and they want to like sit on the chair and act like they were all hacked up and take a picture with their family and think it's fun and games and, and the, and, and the spirits in there that died over it. Wouldn't think that's funny. You know what I mean? Um, the, the cold temperature, that's very common in situations like this. The fire being blue blowout, that's pretty common. And, uh, I think that's more made of a big point because if you're in a prison, there's not really too much. Once you're on the inside, there's not really too much, um, too much where for w- windows and stuff like that, that are open. They don't leave too many windows open in the prison, if you know what I mean. 
So that's kind of an interesting deal. And yeah, if I if if you've seen something, I don't know if if people are getting drunk. It had to have been some serious stuff because I feel like if people are getting drunk and loose and they seen something like that, I don't know if they'd be as you'd you'd have to see something very convincing for the party to stop it to move on. I feel. What do you think? Um, I agree, and the ghost might not like uh, you getting drunk. They they never. Whoever was there never had a chance to drink, never had a chance to celebrate. These are the oppressors. So they're going to pull out all the stops. They're going to do everything that they can because they are not happy with you. Yeah, I support that. Next up, we have the ghostly queen returning home after Hever Castle. At her Hever Castle. It's a very nice castle. I like this castle. Now, Anne Boland is notorious as the second king of Henry the what is it, seventh, eighth, was it, eighth ill-fated wives to marry Anne. Henry spent years seeking a divorce from his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, and went on to sever England's relationship with the Catholic Church in Rome. We briefly talked about this, I think, in one of the episodes when we were talking about um, the Knights Templar. I think they were kind of wrapped up in this. And, um, you know, he went on to sever the the relationship with England and the Catholic Church in Rome, like I said, forever changing the course of British history. Despite the lengths he went to ensnare her, Henry soon grew tired of Anne and choosing to believe the idle gossip surrounding her had her beheaded in 1536. Back when he get that done, get that done in the streets. Uh, A number of reports exist of the ghost of Anne Boleyn, but perhaps the most affecting is the version said to haunt her childhood home, Heaver Castle in Kent. Some say that every Christmas Eve, a spectral figure of Anne Boleyn can be seen slowly gliding across the bridge over the River Eden toward her family home, where she was at her happiest. You know, like we've said before on the show, it, it makes sense that they'd return to the, a place that made them happy, or if they did bad things there, it could suck them back in, like in our second episode ever about the uh, the, the studio uh, that had a uh, lot of bad stuff going on there. Um, I wonder if she was killed on Christmas Eve, or maybe she just loved Christmas Eve a lot. What do you think? I don't know if she was killed on that day. I know she was beheaded. Yeah. I think that I think that she was. I'm not sure if she was the one. There was someone he had beheaded. It might have been her that actually uh, asked the uh, execution of the, for a clean blow to cut the head off one heck. That's what got her in trouble to begin with. I heard. And uh, yeah, and I know that quite often several. Several people in history that I read about that would, they'd actually pay the executioner for that clean blow. Hmm. Give him some extra money so that he wouldn't have to hack, take several whacks and hack the head off roughly, just a nice clean cut. It sounds like drugs for a second there. But, um, some cocaine talk. But, no, I believe that. They were, they were businessmen. They were professional about it. If you paid, Imagine if you don't pay, you don't have the money to pay, and they they like they got to give you a couple of wax, give you a couple of light wax before they give you the final blow. 
scary stuff. And like I said, it was uh, it was rumors. So those rumors might not even have been true. They could have been true, but who's to say? But uh, also, it, it kind of hinted that he became tired of her. And uh, as evil as it sounds, when people of high power become tired of people like that, they just kind of send them off to the uh, to the to the to the death. Send them to the death day. Um, and that's kind of a bum rap. Like th- that experience, I could see, I could see causing there to be something left behind because the anger, the emotion. Maybe if she, maybe she loved them, and maybe he didn't love her no more, and that's why he was trying. He he thought it was a good idea to get rid of her or something. But uh, there's a lot of emotion there, and you know, it's no good. Um, best I know. Uh, trying to recall. I know Henry VIII went through a bunch of wives trying to get a son. Yeah. But, you know, she was in the Tower of London. That's where she was executed. So that would have been devastating to have been locked up, knowing you're going to have your head cut off because you married this guy you thought you loved. And for her spirit to go back to her, to flee and run back to the pleasant place of her childhood, that would make sense. It doesn't want to be around there. It doesn't want to be around that trauma and that betrayal. Right. It, it wants it wants to relive its good time. It just didn't release clean, so to speak. Yeah. Snow on you, that looks like. That kitty cat. Yeah, that's an interesting one for sure. Um, a number of reports exist out there about this, and I've heard of her before. It's a famous case. The Christmas Eve thing is very interesting, you know. If, if if it wasn't the day that she died, it perhaps just could be your favorite. If she's going to her family, that could be the best, you know, going to the families for Christmas Eve. I do that, you know what I mean? That's probably one of the highlights of Christmas for me. So I'm sure billions of other people, you know, that's their highlights for Christmas as well. Um, and she could have been in those in that group of people, you know, so... It's uh, it's definitely some dark stuff for the for the holidays. Now, number three, we had the headless horseman of Ruse Hall of Ruse Hall. Now, Ruse Hall in Suffolk lays claim to being one of the most haunted houses in England. The 16th century hall has a number of sinister connections, including a gruesome hanging tree. Those always create bad karma because. Not all the folks that went up took the hang should have took the hang, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, most of the people probably didn't deserve the hang. Um, and, uh, back then, when it was foolishness, you should really you should really only hang over murdering another person or murdering somebody's mind. Um, those are the only real reasons I feel you should hang. Um, but this this oak tree it was planted at the site of the old gibbet where uh, numerous criminals were hung. To make things even spookier, inside one of the building's cupboards, the mark of the devil's uh, cloven hoof is said to be imprinted. That brings a whole new element to it. If you have to be killed somewhere, you don't want no devil stuff around. Um, you don't want, you know, you get to deal with your own, whatever you did, why you're getting killed, uh, or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the only, the only, uh, the only soot you want on your cap, you know what I mean? The only darkness you want on your back where 
just they can just judge, just be judged for your own sins. You don't need to bring big high evil into uh, into the equation. I, I don't see it working for you in any way. You know what I mean? But perhaps the most dramatic haunting is supposed to happen every Christmas Eve. Uh, legend has it that the headless horseman clatters down the driveway with his four black horses, pulling a phantom coach, terrifying anyone who witnesses it. Now, you automatically think of things like Ichabod Crane, you know, and Sleepy Hollow when you hear this. But you've got to cut, take into consideration how, how common he- getting your head cut off was back in these times. It was like the way to go almost, you know what I mean? If you had something bad, whoop, no more head type deal. So you would assume that there would be a lot of these headless ghosts, um, you know, I know you'd cut your head off in a basket. I don't know if they would bury you together, but if they didn't, then that would be a reason for there not to be a head as well. Um, and I doubt they really gave much respect to people that they were just killing. You know what I mean? I know that in in, in England, it was common to, uh, as an example, once they cut your head off, put on the to do, yep to deter, deter people from other doing it, they put it on a pike on public display. Yeah. So if he's riding around without his head, he never got his head back. It never got buried with him. I wonder what they did with the bodies if they just threw them in them and fer- like used them as fertilizer, just put them in a hole, or if they actually uh, like, kind of any old hole would do. They just really didn't care. Feed them the pigs. They feed them the animals. You know, I'd be interested to see what the, what the deal is. Very terrifying stuff. Um. You know, the Phantom Coach, what do you put into this? you think this is a little fabricated? Or you think that, you know, th- this stuff did happen with the he- a lot of heads being cut off? You think that, and that would make sense for them if, if they weren't buried together having that issue. What do you think? I think so. And it probably that Phantom Coach thing is maybe the, uh, I don't know if it would be a coach or a wagon yeah. where they might take the headless bodies away. Mm. Or, or maybe the... Uh, this uh, headless dude is coming for other people to bring them to their death. Yeah, maybe he was the dude who rode the coach with the bodies, uh, and he event he did something that he had to get his head cut off for, and that was kind of his deal. Where you know he he, he carried out so many dead folks to lose job, and then in the end. He, he forever has to, he, he was killed that way too. So he kind of forever has to continue that job. Hey, that's not a job everybody wants. There's no unions back then. Nobody wants to be the, 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 the bring out your dead guy. I know I would. Um, next up, we have the haunting dining room at the Crescent Hotel. Now, now we're in the, the good old US of A. Uh, The Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, was built in 1886 and is rumored to be harboring numerous ghosts who seem to be especially playful during the holidays. One Christmas, the staff came down to set up the dining room only to find the Christmas tree had been moved from one side of the room to the other. Another year, all the menus in the dining room had been scattered around the room. Other visitors uh, have reported seeing groups of ghostly dancers clad in Victorian-era clothing whirling around the deserted dance floor. You see, you hear a lot of that Victoria clothing. You know, it's big. 
Um, why do you think there's so much Victorian clothing and not so much regular clothing? Do you think that there's t- some type of time gap where we only would see a certain era of ghosts? Do you think that's possible? And, you know, like you, 100 years from now, a couple hundred years from now, there'll be, you know, you'll be seeing people dressed up as, you know, like, it'll be very common to see, like, uh, you know, like the 70s, some 70s attire or something. Well, Victorian times were also, uh, well, two things. They were very popular. It was a popular yeah. time. And uh, it was also a time where spiritualism and such became popular itself. So people are going to identify with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a go. It's a go-to. I think that's when people say they see a ghost, but they don't really see a ghost. I think that that's the the ghost they see in their brain is Victorian because it's what they've seen in all the movies and books. And there's definitely them out there for sure. But I think that when people are trying to fib a little bit, I think the best thing they like to go to is that Victorian. Oh, that Victorian clothing on. It was a cowboy. You know what I mean? Like something very old that people would go, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess a cowboy would be dead. Or yeah, I guess, you know, a lot of, a lot of Victorian people will get their head cut off or they would die from some, you know, something that the, the common flu, you know, something that we just take cold medicine and we're good in a couple of days is putting people in the grave, you know, dehydration, diarrhea, you know, stuff like that back in the day would kill people, you know, like you got, we got, People get diarrhea nowadays. They have some Pepto Bismol. Back in the day, it was killing people off. They 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 just dehydrate. They didn't know what was going on. That they would just dehydrate from not having fluid in them and die off of something. They like to call it diarrhea. That's why it's called diarrhea because you're dying. Rhea, for sure. Well, you don't uh, get. It'd also be kind of like you don't get a whole lot of stories about you know uh, being haunted from like you know by I don't know. Uh, Brittany from the year 2005. Right. Like, uh, that doesn't have the same kick as some Victorian ghost from a hundred years ago. Exactly. It's true. And like, but you would assume, I wonder why that isn't so. And I feel like as a, as a society, we've probably gotten more darker and wild when it comes to things like murder. You always hearing these horror stories left and right. And yeah, it's like, why, why isn't there, a girl from 2003, you know what I mean? Or like you said, 2000, Brittany from 2005, like it, 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 maybe it takes them that long to, to work up the energy for you to be able to see them. Maybe that's why you, when you, there's all these, you know, Victorian error because they were killed back at that time, but they've had to harvest and conjure up all this energy just for you to see them. And the, the, the Britneys of 2005 haven't conjured up the energy enough for you to see them. You know what I mean? And maybe, which is very interesting because who's to say a couple hundred years down the line, there won't be Britney, a ghostly Britney on a cell phone from 2005 where they go, what's that glowing in the corner? I see something glowing in the corner. And it's just like a, gr- a girl's face lit up. This is pretty horrifying to even think of like a ghost face being lit up by cell phone light. You know what I mean? All freaking out because, the battery's die, about to die. She's stuck in a battery, uh, dead battery zone. You know what I mean? And that's her true horror, true hell. 
Now, in another hundred years, it's going to be a bunch of haunted spas. Yeah, people people are going to go in to get to get their uh, massage and their nails done, and they're going to see Brittany in a corner over there with on her cell. I believe that. I definitely believe something like that. But it's an interesting thought that maybe it is a maybe it is a process, and maybe there is a time that you almost have to put in and work out that energy, and maybe that's why we don't really see more like modern clothes ghosts. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It's a very interesting subject. Uh, but the Crescent Hotel, they don't play around. And that's where the Victorian clothing people are always hanging. That's where they like to stay when they're in Arkansas. Now, the ghostly gathering of kings at Wawel Castle, which makes me believe we're going back out of the States and back in England or something. We're in Poland this time around. The Wawel Royal Castle was built on Wawel Hill in the 1500s. Within the hill lies a deep cave known as Samokska Jama, uh, or a.k.a. the Dragon's Den, which is a, that, it's a club. They call the Dragon's Den is a club local to it, close by. Uh, legend has it that the Great Dragon once lived there. A Great Dragon, not the Great Dragon, let me clarify terrorizing the locals before Prince Krak bravely vanquished the dragon and brought peace to Poland. To memorialize this event, a statue of the dead dragon now stands in the cave. Go deeper into the cave and you come to yet another chamber. And it is here that on December 14th, uh, December 24th, every year, all the long-gone kings of Poland are said to meet and hold a, a spectral special council. Very interesting. So, yeah, that's big. That's a big-time deal. So I assume that that would probably be something where they all met before. It was very important for them to meet before death. So much so, it's been embedded in their existence that they do the old showing up after death type deal because it's so programmed in their head and their essence to be there. Um, you don't want to not be there. You know, don't be left outside of the circle. Um, so I can find some, tr some truth to that. And it goes back to the thing about you don't exactly have to die there. You could be sucked back in via traumatic situations or just it being a great place that you enjoyed a lot while you were living. Um, and I almost think that that's just a bunch of buddies almost getting together type deal, which, you know, I wonder about that too, you know, buddy, like group gatherings, like, you know, ghostly gatherings like this. It's like, that's a lot like for them all to be able to kind of manifest and come through. That's a lot of energy. There's got to be some secret, more deeper meaning for them being there other than just routine of them showing up that time, you know what I mean? Or maybe they made a pact. Maybe they made some type of weird pact, you know what I mean? Well, you're also talking about a place that has a legend behind it mm -hmm. about the dragon. So it may have been a, and we've talked about power grids and power places. And let's say that, uh, you know, you're a young prince growing up, you're going to be king. The legend is told to you. Um, it could have started out that people go to that cave to do a reenactment of the killing of the dragon. Mm. And as a child, 
you're taught that's your responsibility as a king to protect the people to keep going back there. So you do that growing up. You do that the whole time as you're a king. And then your spirit gets kind of locked in and you're drawn back to that power place, that myth- mythical place. And you and the other past kings that did this repeatedly during your life gather again and you gather to protect the people of your land. Yeah. Honor. I think, you know, honor was huge back then. Um, maybe being the, I guess the right Kings would, would have the right type of honor, <clears throat> the right respect for their duty. You know what I mean? And it would really mean something to them. Like, uh, you know, nowadays our, our, our supposed, our people that would be in that position, I feel, are not so, maybe not so honorable. You know what I mean? Maybe some are, but, uh, probably not as honorable. I think they think more about their legacies back then than they do now. Um, because I don't, it's so easy to get your legacy destroyed. I think that's why they're, I, I think that's why they don't really care that much about it because it's out of their hands in a way, or they look at it that way. But back into our hands for the mostly ghostly Christmas special. And we got the mistletoe bride at Bramshill's house. Okay. Now that is in the early 17th century. A young woman named Anne was to be married on Christmas Day at the Bramshill house in Hampshire, England. After the ceremony and feast, as was tradition at the time, the guests were all set to carry the bride to the bedchamber. Uh, Anne suggested a game be played and asked for a five-minute head start before the guests came to find her. Everyone searched long and hard for Anne, but no sign of her could be found. At first, they thought she had played a merry trick, but soon a sense of unease fell over the guests. The bridge room, Lord Lovell, was distraught, and guests began to whisper that she must have fled. Days, weeks, months, and years have passed, and Lord Lovell never stopped looking for his bride. One day, some 50 years after her disappearance, Lord Lovell was up, up, in, the attic, up in the huge attic of the sprawling mansion where he began tapping on the oak paneling. As he knocked, a long, hidden secret door sprung open, and inside he found an ornate wooden chest. He pried open the heavy wooden lid, and there, still in her wedding dress and clutching her mistletoe bouquet, were the skeletal remains of his beloved. The scratch marks on the inside of the lid of the chest attested to her desperate but futile effort to free herself from their hiding space. While the story appears in many variations, I'm sure everybody's kind of heard one or two, uh, Bramshill House is thought to be the most likely of this 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 story you know that's that's very thematic you know i mean that's kind of a, a very dramatic um you go that's how harsh is that you know you go up there to hide on, on what's about to be some of the best times of your life playfully go up there and hide and you know she gets locked in the chest doesn't can't Nobody can hear her, and she's there forever. L- literally, now, 
but she was there for however long. Sadly, uh, I don't think the craftsmanship was probably all that that superb back in the day for her to suffocate. I could be wrong. So she pro- unfortunately she probably didn't suffocate. Maybe she did, but even worse is she probably starved to death if she got locked in there and couldn't get out because. You know, after a while of you being dehydrated and not eating, you don't, you won't even be able to have the energy to scream, especially if she's in a weird, if she tucked herself into like some weird position and then it shut on her and she really couldn't get out of that position. That's a tough call too. That sucks. Um, but yeah, what's your take on this one, Ray? If she's uh, in that chest and it's behind a panel that it's kind of like a secret room. Yeah. You have to knock on a wall. She may have gone up there to hide, but I tend to go more with uh, maybe someone who is jealous of her getting Mm -hmm. married. I tend to go more with someone who trapped her in the chest and put her in that secret room, knowing no one would ever find her because it was a secret room. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going more with murder, and she's there were spirits trapped there. She was murdered there on her wedding day. I'm with you on that. I, I, I'm definitely vibing with that. It makes sense because, yeah, the tra- being behind a trap door is kind of weird. You'd have to lock it behind you. And she would know that she couldn't be expected to be found if nobody knew about her enough to look unless they didn't look for a reason, which th- that also leans towards murder. If it wasn't a big how to do, it wasn't a big let's really find, find her. If they quickly move from her missing to maybe she ran away, you know what I mean? Well, you know, she was talking about how she would, she really didn't want to marry him. You know what I mean? Um, it could have been him. He could have heard rumor of that and killed her because, because he thought that was true and he didn't want to lose her. He didn't want to be humiliated. Um, people can do some crazy shit, but being found 50 years later, that's that's... You'd think that would have smelled at one point. We're talking a big attic. We're a monstrous attic in more ways than one. But for them, for you not to smell that after a while, I, you know, the, the smell, once you die, the smell would probably start immediately because you lose all fluids. So that's not going to smell good. But I wonder what the actual, I wonder what the time frame is from when your body stop smelling it you probably out you go through the the bloating process which it probably stanks rigor mortis it stanks but i vibe with the fact that once you get to that dry state i think you probably the probably smell is it lingers i mean if you got close to it you'd be like oh what the fuck is that you know what i mean but i think for the most part unless you're getting a good wind blowing around that place it probably ain't gonna be after after a, a certain amount of time you're probably not gonna be you know, tipped off by the smell, at least, you know. I think that if you lean towards the murder thing, you have to look at the person who owned that building. Right. They could put her in that box behind that wall and be the person who could keep everybody out of that attic for a whole lot of years. Now, 50 years later, you're not going to find any scars, any stab wounds or anything like that. And then you can just play up like, oh, my God, look what happened to her. Yeah, and no, no one's going to suspect you. But if you're hiding that body, and then uh, you're keeping people out of that attic, that's perfect way to get away. Get away maybe, with it. Yeah, maybe the scratch marks are made from other people. 
maybe somebody liked doing things like this, like they got off on something like this, and uh, maybe they're worried about her telling. It was like a tw- twisted fantasy or something, and maybe they were worried about her telling, telling the story of how this person acts, and now you know, you left for dead type deal. It's crazy. I do. I, I'm vibing more with you, with a murder being more of a murder deal than an accident. Unless we're talking about a real ditzy person that, you know, probably needed somebody to be with her at all times, so she didn't do stuff like this. Um, but yeah, I think you're right with the, with the, with the murder thing. Probably it, jealousy. It could have been him. It could have been him jealous. Uh, it could have just been her time to go in his eyes. And we've read about different things in the past where, like, they de- they never want to be the bad guy in the public eye. They never want to be the guy in in the in the in the eye of religion and God that's breaking the marriage. You know what I mean? Like with a divorce type thing. So they, to them, it's it's better for them just to kill their wife than to go through a, a divorce type deal or whatever. Because um, the, the you know the church frowns upon that heavily. Uh, so it's very, yeah, he possibly Lord, uh, Lord Lovell could definitely be, and they call themselves Lords. How much of a God complex is that? My goodness. Well, I think also, if you're taking a look at that, if you're talking about a haunting, mm-hmm. she was put in there and she was alive and scratches on the inside would, would say so. The Lord of the Manor could keep people out of the attic. So yeah. she had a long, painful, agonizing death on her wedding day. Mm. That is a tortured soul. That is an uneasy spirit. And that is perfect for the type of spirit that would be trapped there mm. and would haunt there. The trauma of the death, the wedding day, the betrayal, uh, everything could trap that spirit there. And I would say, yeah, there's a good chance that's a legitimate haunting. I'd say so. I feel like, I almost feel like, sh- like we're getting what the, what, what the Lord Lovell put out there into the world. So I, I, I definitely think maybe she said she doesn't want to, she really didn't want to be with them last minute. Or maybe, you know, she was, you know, having a pre, pre, pre-marital affair type deal. And he didn't want to be humiliated. But I definitely get the vibe that the dude, uh, the, the guy, I think the guy put her there. And then just everybody started saying, oh, yeah, she was doing doing hide-and-go-seek. We were playing, you know, hide-and-go-seek before before the big festivities kicked off. And then she just wasn't around. Oh, she never came out. And then, you know, then there's talks of her leaving. And, you know, cause you, you know he can't. A dead body would be bad news, even because even even if they couldn't tag it to him, people. I don't think he'd want people even thinking thinking of him that way. You know what I mean? Because they'd be like, "Oh." So well, in that period, in that period of time, you never question questioned the Lord, and if you went against them, you might end up uh, either the the equivalent of uh, slave labor or one of those headless bodies that pissed them off. Looking for your head, driving around the carriage. Yeah, I can see that. So that one's an interesting one. It's got a big story to it, so the story kind of makes me iffy. Whenever I hear a good, almost Hollywood-like story to go with it, I go, well, 
but this could have been where Hollywood got it from. Um, but I always get the vibe like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not type deal. Um, and definitely I think the murder, I think more of an egotistical kind of maniac ruler would, it makes a lot of sense. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, the wooden chest. Long secret door sprung open. It's crazy. All right. We have uh, next up the apparition of a murdered highwayman in Kent. All right. Going back to, uh, going back uh, to Kent. This ain't Kent, Michigan, though. This is, uh, I think we're back in England. On one Christmas Eve near the close of the 18th century, a notorious highwayman named Gilbert, okay, uh, could be Gilbert Gottfried, that's how old he is, is said to have stopped a coach and horses on the Hawkehurst Road in Marden, Kent. The coach contained a young lady and her father, and Gilbert ordered them out into the road. Just as the girl stepped out, the horses bolted taking the coach and her father with them. The young lady was left alone on the dark road with the highwayman. And as she looked into his face, she recognized him as the very same highwayman who had murdered her brother some years earlier. That's an awkward moment. Horrified, she drew a hidden knife from her bag and stabbed Gilbert in the side, fleeing into the bushes. When the horses were claimed were calmed down and the coach returned a little a little while later the men discovered uh, the bloodied body of the highwayman and buried him at the side of the road while villagers found the woman in the forest the next day she and god completely mad they avoided that spot into the in the road for many years and it is said that every christmas eve the bloody scene is silently replayed to all that passed through you know, that highwayman, I got a vibe that he was an innocent dude <laughs> that got bladed for whatever, and they just kind of said, took her side of the story. I got that vibe a little bit, um, because if he was attacking her, he probably would have got the upper hand. That's what I assume. Poor Gilbert. How could a person named Gilbert be a bad person? Well, highwaymen back then, they were rogues. They did rob and do things on a road. Yeah. And also, the view of a woman was they were definitely the weaker sex and harmless and innocent. So he would let his guard down near her. It'd be easy for her to uh, stick him with something. That part would be easy. Very Karen-like of nowadays where she just got, she got afraid, so she acted first type deal, maybe. Yeah. And as far as his if she's traumatized by the murder that much that she went insane, her energy there would leave an imprint. And he's just a body dumped by the side of the road, basically. And he's, he's been murdered. So for them to replay it, or to be trapped in a cycle, a loop there is not to me, not surprising. Maybe, uh, maybe she was attacked by a group and only wounded one. And they said, you know, if you if you speak of this, we're going to come get you. We're going to kill you. And that right there would be enough to drive her crazy. Because maybe she knew the guys and knew that they could easily have her killed. And, and that's the end of the story, no question. Then they'll just find her in a, a fucking chest 50 years later and say she was the hide-and-go-seek champion. You know what I mean? 
That could be her. But yeah, I definitely, they're, they're, that's the thing about all these older things. The possibility for foul play is always there. It's just a matter of kind of tying the loose ends together and getting the right info out. Well, if you're talking about the 1600s and 1700s, those were violent times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people dying and people killing each other, was, it was a common thing. Right. So, to me, it's, it's really not surprising you have a lot of violent death. And that violent death can also result in uh, some pretty nasty hauntings. You know, with the time being the times, not that it was right, but there was kind of they kind of got accepted to be treated that way, you know, or to see other people treat women that way. And it's not acceptable in any way. It's just back in the day, I think society uh, kind of turned a blind eye to that, you know, hence why you could get the, the chest 50 years later deal. Um, but I mean, if she came from a place of, if she came from a family with maybe some power influence, then, then yeah, then she would probably be protected just like anybody else would be, you know, if it was some fancy pansy person's daughter who was Karen-like, you know, somebody got a little too close. Um, Maybe they said something they shouldn't have. And uh, she, she, you know, defended herself or or, or tried to nip, nip it in the butt before it became a problem, knowing that people would help her cover it up and, a lot, of kid, a lot, a lot of possibilities in a situation like this. But it's also a time where women were a commodity. Uh, by that, I mean even if you were well off, mm. or especially if you were well off, you were a lord or a noble or something, mm. and you had a daughter. She didn't have a choice. It was you wanted an alliance with another family, or you're a king and wanted an alliance with another country. It's kind of like. This is this is not kind of like it was. It you have to marry him, yeah. and you've got no say, because that'll strengthen my position in the world. And that's an alliance. And you know, you're not a man. You're not my son. You're not going to inherit the throne. So you're basically useless. So I'm going to use you to keep uh, form this alliance over here. That's going to get me a lot of money and keep my borders safe. Yeah. And sometimes. Sometimes the, the the women don't want to be married to those guys, so they they commit suicide. They could run away. Um, all things that I think that those people would probably find humiliating to their ego. So then stories could be made up to, uh, and like you said, what these people would say was the law. So like, if if they said you know, and if they said that and never learned the part of, of hide and go seek where you come out at the end and say, all right, I win. You didn't find me that they, they could easily blame that on something else and make it work to their favor, work in their, in their benefit. Um, but that's a big part of it too. You know, the times are very different back then. And, uh, for sure, for sure. There was, uh, definitely some wild, not fair happenings going on. And it was quite a place. I mean, you, we talk about the witch trials a lot where it's just like, if somebody didn't agree with you, think about if that, think about if it was that way now, where if somebody didn't agree with you kind of is a little bit, but they're not killing people in the streets, at least not every day, every couple months, we have a nice crazy thing going on. But, um, yeah, like if the, 
yeah, it's wild. It's a wild thing, you know. Uh, yeah, you just they could say, "Hey, look, I seen them doing magic," or "Hey, I look, I seen them doing this," and just them saying that was enough for you to be killed. What a crazy time to to live on eggshells that must have been, you know. You know, you talk about like a political reign now, and like the political political reign then, where they literally would be, you're dead. No, we don't like that. You're dead. You're gone. I don't care. You're gone. Pack your bags. You're out of here. Um, and there was nothing you could say or do about it. And if you attempted to fight it with, you know, realistic arguments, they would just say, look, man, uh, you're going to die, bub. And uh, these five people right here that just walked up with me, they're going to tell anybody who needs to know that you were completely in the wrong and that you need to die. Now, you can go and argue against it, but it's your word versus theirs. And these are five respectable people. You know why they're respectable? Because I just said they're respectable. And, they're and they, don't want to, they don't want to die, so they're going to agree with me. Exactly. Or it could be that situation. And then you're stuck. It's like it's a wild war. It's a real rat race and crazy that must have been a crazy time, and anything could get you kind of tipped off, jealous, you having a little more than somebody else, if you were better looking, if you had more cows, you know, whatever the deal was that they thought you had the upper hand over them. You, yeah, you could easily find yourself in a place, you know. It's kind of crazy, you know. We have, like I said, we kind of have something like that now, but it's more criticism. You get criticism where back in the day, you catch the dirt nap over it. And you can still catch the dirt nap over it nowadays, but not so much. It's kind of on rarer occasions, I feel. But uh, still, of course, happening. But um, not as much as I feel like it would have been back in the day. And I, I'm curious to how, how the society... I'd like to read a book about ancient societies and stuff like that to see what actually, what the vibe was of that, the lifestyle of having to live that way where I could, Ray could go to the town hall tomorrow and say, you know what, me and Matt did a Zoom the other night and he said this in the Zoom and I thought it was really messed up and I want you guys to know and they go, okay, and, and they come get me. And uh, they they look through the footage and go, hey, the, he never said that. And Ray goes, well, we stopped recording and he said it after. And they go, oh, that makes sense. And then I'm getting hung up like uh, like the, the Christmas star. They're hanging me up on the tree. And, uh, you know, nothing <laughs> about it. And I think a lot of that that whole error of thinking and way of thinking, I think, left a lot of ghosts. I mean, that could very possibly be why we see all these Victorian people, too, because they're just literally regular, everyday people that were going about their life that had a little bit more than the next person. And that next person didn't appreciate the fact that they had a little bit more than them. So they just said, bad person, need to be gone. And uh, they had to go away. And I'm sh the ruckus that that must create in the spiritual world is uh, it's a lot, I feel. It's a bad, that's a bad look. It's a bad vibe. You know? Yep. Uh, that was our, uh, those were our ghostly stories for the Christmas season. 
You know, we hope we gave you guys a real shiver in your boots out there hearing these stories. Um, horrific stuff. You know, we only did seven to eight. I think we with Ray's, we did eight stories of the ghostly around the holidays. Uh, we'll leave room for next year, perhaps. We'll hit you with some ghostly. Um, with that being said, you know, anybody out there listening to this, uh, if you didn't, if you don't subscribe to the social medias, um, you may have missed out that we have another questions from beyond the web episode coming up. So if anybody out there wants to ask us a question about the paranormal or anything, um, feel free to hit us on up. And uh, drop your question on our Facebook page. If, you, if you're contacted directly to us via social meds, feel free to hit us up there, too. But uh, if you want to do the right thing, do the professional thing, hit us up on the Mostly Ghostly Facebook page and uh, drop us a line. Let us know how your, your Christmas was going and what you're looking forward to the most about Christmas. But then hit us with that big, fat question about the unexplainable and the paranormal. And uh, I believe come the, in, in, in January, um, that's when you'll probably, that, that episode will be popping off. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, with that being said, definitely go check out those social medias. You know, stay in, in t- you know, stay in tune with us, plugged in with us, even when you're not listening to us on the Mostly Ghostly. You know, we got the Boombastic Media YouTube page where we got the first ever, I think the first seven or eight episodes of Mostly Ghostly are up there. If you want to be OG and say you heard those episodes, you watched those videos with just pictures, uh, you can say that you did that. And uh, we got a Boombastic streaming uh, at Patreon for anybody that likes to get advanced episodes earlier than everybody else. Uh, if you like to be able to catch full raw files and video forms of certain things, you know, I know certain shows on the network that interview people, um, you can get them early, you know, like we, uh, we just, uh, we have an, an episode that we did with the great wild trees that is on, you know, we're going to be popping into that. You guys will probably hear that early February, but if you were signed up to the mostly ghostly via Boombastic streaming, you would be able to catch that episode now. Um, as well as, you know, we have a bunch of cool tiers there. I only push this because I feel like this is the future of everything. Things like this where people have their one-stop shop, so to speak, where you can go, depending on the tier, you can go be completely podcast. You can get into the podcast and the films and you can get deep, deeper than that into some super VIP type stuff. But, uh, we only pitch it. If you want to give your loved ones something really good for Christmas, that's why we push it now. It's not too late. Um, yeah, it starts at $5 a month and goes all the way up. And, uh, that's always offered to you. We bring it up, but we don't really go that deep into it. Like I just did, but I did there and, uh, it's always there. So if that's your, that's your thing, you know, look into it a little more, hit us up. And, uh, yeah, if you like this episode, keep on listening to wherever you're listening to this one, Spotify, Apple, you know, wherever it might be. And, uh, do you want to say anything in closing to anybody out there about Christmas? You want to do a Christmas blessing or anything like that? Uh, Christmas blessing. No, the blessing itself is the fact that you're alive to uh, enjoy it. 
enjoy it with your family and friends, uh, whatever it may be. It's it's just a special time, anyways. And beyond that, all I can say is happy holidays. <laughs> And I second that. We hope everybody has a very extremely mostly ghostly Christmas. You know, they get everything they want from Santa, and their heart is refilled with love for another year. Heading in, you know, we appreciate y'all. You got all our love. And uh, we wish you the best, safest, and happiest of holidays. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 